It'll be a Premier League season like no other, with a Winter World Cup slap bang in the middle of it. Who will deal with the physical and mental toll of a congested schedule and who will wither under the pressure? Will Manchester City win the league again or will somebody kick them off their gilded throne? And can the newly promoted sides keep their heads above water? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is New Season Only Better. from his Australian adventure and it's just as well he got some sunshine because he's going to be stuck in the bet cave until May crunching the numbers Mark O'Hare back with us Mark excited about the new season I am Kev uh, I always am towards the end of July uh, August rolling around it normally signifies the start of the new season obviously a little bit earlier this time around I think the Premier League last year was was captivating and not just at the top but also at the bottom and middle third as well the race for Europe and I think this time around in terms of a, a battle for the top four I think we've got a really interesting um, showdown between the big six um, obviously six can't go going to four so two teams are going to be disappointed again um, I also think teams like Leicester will improve upon last season without any European commitments you've got Newcastle you know, who knows what Newcastle are going to achieve or what they might pull off between now and the end of the transfer window. Uh, and also the teams coming up from the championship, I'm always quite intrigued to see how they will fare. Um, I think most EFL observers will have probably picked out Brentford and Leeds in the last two seasons as potentials to consolidate in the top flight. Um, I certainly think there's one team who's come up who, who can do pretty well too, but um, always kind of, kind of willing them on to do pretty well and, and consolidate as an EFL fan. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to play for and obviously you've got some really sort of star signings to look forward to as well. Erling Haaland playing in the Premier League with Man City has the potential to be an absolute carve-up. But um, <laughs> uh, We'll have to wait and see if he can slot into a system there with uh, Pep Guardiola. But um, yeah, really excited for the big kickoff now. The dashing doctor of data got married over the summer, not to an XG robot, but an actual human woman. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal is here. Uh, Jake, what are you looking forward to in the the list's endless, isn't it, really? I mean, uh, from top to bottom. I hope that can't be an endless show. I've been assured that that's the case. <laughs> we have a time limit. Um, yeah, from top to bottom, it's going to be another fantastic season. I think one thing that stands out to me, Mark touched on it a little bit there, is Erling Haaland coming into the, to the, to the league. Um, how will Manchester City and Pep adapt tactics to work around a central striker? Because for the last you know, year and a half, two years, they've played with almost a false nine and a rotation. Um, and the same goes for Liverpool, actually, because the back end of last season, Sadio Mane was playing as a very fluid number nine, and they've now got Darwin Nunes, who can come in and play um, either as a focal point striker, but also from the left-hand side. How does that affect their tactics moving forward? Will that affect their underlying process and their overall um, abilities and levels this season? We'll have to wait and see. But that, for me, in, in what, again, looks like a very sort of two-horse race uh, at the top, th those kind of questions are really interesting. Now, let's start with that winner market then. Manchester City, once again, the team to beat. 1.74 on the exchange, 1.57 on the sportsbook. And that illustrates, once again, that you can often get a better price on the exchange. Mark, as we've mentioned, they've got Erling Haaland. We know what a force of nature he is. We know how well he did in the Bundesliga in the last couple of seasons with Borussia Dortmund. My view on him, even though people are saying, how is he going to adapt? How are they going to use him? I understand that he's not going to have those lovely open spaces to run into most of the time, but he's so good with his movement in the box. He's such a good finisher. The number of chances they create, he's going to score a ton of goals, isn't he? And actually, I think 
in those games where you're against top teams like Liverpool or like Chelsea or a team like that, like Spurs with edging them into that bracket, you're going to have broken play. You're going to have transitional moments. He's perfect for those. Yeah, um, so no foreign player or no debutant player in the Premier League has finished as the Golden Boot winner in Premier League history. So that's against him. But I think if there's one candidate to come into the league who seems to potentially not necessarily suit a system, but suit a team. We've talked about it before, I think 12 months ago, when Harry Kane was being linked with Man City. Um, we thought if, if City get Kane, they're just going to run away with things yeah. because, as you say, the chances that they create, all they need is a, a clinical striker and they'll, they'll be too good for everyone. But how um, much better can they be in the league? Because they put up the most absurd points totals. Yeah. The only team to hit 100. Obviously, Liverpool, with the form they had, should have been able to win the league in most years. And then you look across and City have got the points total they have. Yeah, well, across the last five seasons, they've won the title on four occasions. They've averaged 92 points across those campaigns <laughs> and averaged 97 goals, which is remarkable, really. But I think what's also remarkable is in three of the last four years, Liverpool have tabled 90 or more points as well. And that's the standards that these two teams are setting at the minute. And I think, obviously, all eyes are on Haaland, but I think Calvin Phillips is a really, really smart capture. Yeah. Um, I think we could see for the last two seasons potentially that Fernandinho was was starting to look his age uh, and Rodri was getting, you know, he was absolutely remarkable in his position, but when he wasn't playing, they probably needed someone else to fill in that. And I think Phillips, not, not, not necessarily he's going to be um, uh, second fiddle, I think he can play a much more prominent part for City. I do think his in involvement, his inclusion uh, boosts them as well. I'm, I'm a bit surprised with this Inchenko sale. Uh, I think that would be a loss just because of his versatility. And if the, the Cucurella deal doesn't come off, that would be a slight concern about City. Uh, but then I, obviously you, you look towards Liverpool. Um, Diaz settled wonderfully well after his signing and the hope is that Darwin Nunes will do something similar. Uh, a really exciting signing, but do you mark them slightly down because Mane's gone and Nunes has come in as an unproven Premier League striker? I would ever so slightly because I think Mane is you're guaranteed what you're going to get from yeah. Mane. Um, but you know, Jurgen Klopp has, has performed minor He's done miracles. Right, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, to, to even compete with Man City over those campaigns, you have to assume that, that Liverpool will be there or thereabouts as well. They actually had fewer defeats from Man City last season, but their issue was actually getting the results against the big six. They drew four of their six games against the top four. Um, that's where they dropped points. City had a, a more ability to sort of turn over and, and win those matches too. So I think it's going to be neck and neck, and I think it's very difficult to, to split those two. But City, obviously, odds on favourites, which is absolutely fair enough. We've talked for for months and years, really, about City being highly rated by the markets. And uh, and the process is always slightly better. And I think Jake will probably talk about their defensive game because that's probably what sets them apart from Liverpool. This is the thing, isn't it? Because City tend to go off as odds on. And the main reason is the underlying numbers are mind-boggling, aren't they? They're frightening, yeah. Um, and last season, just to put in perspective how far clear Liverpool and Man City were of the rest of the league, from an ex expected goal difference per game standpoint, Manchester City were plus 1.75. So they were basically, on average, 1.75 expected goals better than every opponent they played against. Liverpool were plus 1.58. And then you have to drop right down to plus 0.82 to Chelsea, so nearly half. Um, so the, the processes that they were putting up were basically double the, the rest of the league um, and more on uh, even the teams. But yeah, like Mark said, the, defensively, it, it's almost sort of the two, the two don't come hand in hand. You think of Pep Guardiola, you think attacking football, but ever since he's come to the Premier League, his team's been the best defensive team every single season. Is that because the other team don't get the ball? Yeah, Presumably. basically, yeah. Um, and, and they're really good at, at stopping transitions. So when they do lose the ball, they win it back really quickly, high up the pitch as well, so they can almost do a counter of a counter. Um, but yeah, they, they, 
I, I just thought that was it was a sort of a really really fascinating stat that since he's come to the league defensively he's taken over he's dominated um, they've only had one season where they've allowed more than one expected goals against per game um, and that was a sort of COVID season in which um, everything was in lockdown and, and we were playing behind closed doors uh, but uh, since he's joined the Premier League they've averaged 0.82 expected goals against per game so they're allowing teams less than one expected goal against per game which ultimately means that you're not going to lose many football matches um, and, and for me that's the difference between City and Liverpool um, Liverpool obviously on paper have a fantastic back line but um, there are always those question marks, particularly around the fullbacks. Um, you know, they, they are they are so important for Liverpool's creation going forward that they have to press high up the pitch. Um, and I don't think that Liverpool are as good at Ma as Manchester City at covering for those bombing fullbacks, um, which ultimately means that defensively they're not as strong. Um, and and you know, for me, defence usually wins titles, um, particularly in the Premier League, and especially when you can score as many goals at the other end as as Man City can. So um, absolutely the team to beat. The Holland signing just makes them even more frightening, in my opinion. Uh, the only concerns, Mark touched on it with the Zinchenko sale, is the sales of Sterling and Jesus because they were, while they weren't necessarily starters throughout last season, they were really key bit players, uh, particularly Jesus. Yeah, he which had a, you need, don't you? You do, yeah. Uh, he had a spell, Jesus, where he played, was it 10, 11 games for us back in the last season and scored some really important goals. Um, also, he, he seemed to be almost favoured when it came to the big Champions League nights as well, playing off the left or right-hand side. He worked um, so hard as well, that's the thing. But I guess they're thinking Julian Alvarez is going to come in and get game time. There's a lot of buzz about him after he played so well for River. So yeah. maybe that's the idea. But he's an unknown. You know, Mark talked about Darwin Nunez coming in. We know how big and strong he is. We know how powerful he is. We know how good he is in front of goal but he hasn't got Premier League experience at this stage, and nor has Alvarez. Absolutely not. And um, they, they think this, the obviously slight plus I'd put um, next to Nunes' name is that players that have come across from the Portuguese Premier League have sort of settled a lot quicker yeah. than across the other major European leagues. You know, you only have to think Ruben Diaz, João Cancelo, um, Bruno, Bruno Fernandes, Luis Diaz, they've all come across from the Portuguese League and they've all sort of hit the ground running seamlessly, which makes me think that there's maybe a, a, a quite a close link between the top teams in Portugal uh, and the teams in the Premier League as to how they play, the style, um, the physicality, the speed. Um, they're so, used to the rough and tumble anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the violence. Yes. <laughs> You're a keen follower and of He loves the violence, yeah. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely would, th would be more confident about Nunes coming in and, and making a real statement and a mark than, than Julian Alvarez. And, and the other one's Sterling. Um, really surprised to see him leave. Obviously, limited game time. He probably wants to play more ahead of the World Cup um, but he's a guaranteed 20 goal plus assist every season yeah. um, that you're taking out of Manchester City and obviously you're bringing Haaland in who can pick up some of that burden um, but yeah really really sh sort of strange um, there might be some more incomings to sort of make that squad depth um, a little bit thicker and you know is Pep turning to the young players now you, you know you've got likes of Cole Palmer that maybe come in and, and sort of take some of the Sterling role and play a bit more often we've seen Foden integrated um, is that Pep's thinking? It, it probably probably is. They've got this unbelievable academy set up, haven't they? Yeah. It, it, it's about time they start producing consistently. Um, so yeah, I've still got Manchester City as the team to beat, um, but there are a few niggling question marks. Um, and yeah, uh, from a Liverpool standpoint, the question is just, can they replace the goals um, from Sadio Mane and the impact from Sadio Mane um, and tighten that defence up slightly? And if they can do that, then I actually think that they could really... That, they, that price of Liverpool to win the league at 4.2 could look quite big. Um, because as Mark said, the points total, the, the pair have been putting up have been 
frightening. And, and you know, you talk about Liverpool missing out by one point in two of the last four seasons, which is it's crazy, just unbelievable. Um, and it's not even like it was 78, 77. We're talking like 97, 96. So um, it's going to be fascinating. But I would slightly give City the edge, mainly because of defence. Mark, let's broaden it out a bit then, because you've got Liverpool 4.2 to win the league. Spurs are 15. Chelsea are 16.5. These are all on the exchange. I do want to talk about Chelsea because... Jake's just mentioned Raheem Sterling. For me, that's one of the signings of the summer. I think that's a sensational signing. Proven Premier League performer. Really intelligent movement. Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea manager, has talked about his repeated intensity, his ability to make the same movement over and over and over again. And that requires a, a certain level of fitness. He should be a great signing for them. Then you've got Kaladu Koulibaly, coming in to lead the defence, and we're all big fans of his and what he's done at Napoli, they look good to me. Yeah, they do. Um, I really like Koulibaly. I think he's obviously the move to the Premier League has been talked about for, for years, really, and it's a shame it's taken it this long to to occur, but I think he's perfectly adapted and suited for the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, a ball-playing, physical, strong, confident defender. Uh, he's a leader as well. I think he'll fit perfectly into that, that Chelsea defence. But yeah, Sterling... Um, I guess that's the question mark over Chelsea right now is the attack and, and how it functions and how it looks at the start of the season because if you look at the top goalscorer markets there's no Chelsea player in the top 15 basically uh, you have to go to about 20 to 1 to even find a Chelsea player and that would be Raheem Sterling Kai Havertz is, is there or thereabouts much further down uh, Timo Werner the move hasn't worked properly as we hoped it would uh, after his move from the Bundesliga just yet so you expect um, Sterling and Havertz to play a real leading role yeah. whether it's in the, the sort of false nine or whether they'll play from the flanks um, I'm really excited to see how Tuchel sets his team up this season because there was a few occasions last year where I thought they looked a bit stale they looked a bit to be found out on occasion as well and I think they did lack um, conviction in the final third on other occasions as well so uh, I think Sterling will certainly bolster them in that sense but I think defensively too uh, Koulibaly is a, a really strong signing um, Stanford Bridge form last year wasn't good enough either so they need to sort that around um, and also I think it's worth remembering as well they were top of the table in December so something went wrong after Christmas really and uh, if they can right those wrongs you know they're still put on a, a strong points total but the, the battle to finish in the top four is going to be even stronger this year with with a Conte-led Spurs now from the start and Arsenal improving um, and United you would expect to be a bit more coherent this time around even if I don't expect them to, to pierce the top four but um, yeah I think it's a, it's a fascinating fascinating battle I still have Chelsea in, in the top four but um, I don't I wouldn't say they're a complete lock got loads of player specials and special bets in general uh, on the sportsbook I'm going to back Raheem Sterling to score at least 14 Premier League goals for Chelsea going to back Son Heung-min to score 17 or more for Spurs. And I'm going to chuck in one goal or more apiece for Kieran Trippier, Andy Robertson and Matty Cash. And that comes out at 6.94. So I think that's a, a decent price for all that to happen. Let's talk about Tottenham, Jake, because I think they've made some really good signings. I think Richarlison is unusual for Tottenham because they don't normally historically bring in a big money signing that wouldn't necessarily expect to start. That's pretty much the case. Kulusevski came in, played really well with Son, really well with Kane. Those two are a lock. So that's a statement of intent in itself. Perisic is great. So it's all going Conte's way at the moment. Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing for, to see what Tottenham do. Uh, massive fan of Conte as a manager. 
I think he's arguably the third best coach in the Premier League. I'd probably just rate him slightly above Tuchel, um, given what he did last season. Because uh, ultimately, he transformed Tottenham in, uh, from a mid-table team under Espirito Santo with a, an expected goal difference per game of minus 0.55 um, to a, you know, a, the, the third best team in the league, finishing with a, uh, an expected goal difference of plus 0.9, uh, 0.92, um, which, yeah, it's, it's quite a way off Liverpool Man City levels, but you're trending in the right direction. And, and that was with a, I think we could all agree, a very weak squad. Um, I think the starting 11 was decent enough on paper, but after that, they were struggling for bodies and was not squad built for what he wants to do. Is no, it? that's the thing. And he's brought in players that fit the systems that you want to play. Uh, and you know, you're, the, the last two windows in particular have been fantastic. You brought in Romero, Bentancourt, and Kulusevski in January, um, and now you've added Bissouma, you've added Richarlison, um, Perisic. You've mentioned Clement Longley, who strengthens them at left centre half. Um, he's a fixer-upper, isn't he? Lost his confidence at Barcelona, but there's a good player in there somewhere. There is a good player, and, and you know he might be one that benefits from playing in the back three because ultimately you have got that added security of an extra mate, uh, an extra player to sort of look after you um, and cover your mis mistakes. So um, I'm fascinated to see how it goes, and, and I think the important thing for Spurs is that they've kept Conte, they've kept him happy, they've kept Kane, they've kept Son, and they've actually strengthened the starting eleven um, and the bench. So it's been a fantastic summer, and it, and it is. Um, yeah, it, I'm fascinated to see how well they can do. I, I personally have them as a lock for the top four. I can't see them missing out on the top four whatsoever. I think that they're, they're around four to six at the moment, which seems short enough, but it's definitely one I would throw in a, a pre-season acker because I think that they are that good um, and they will be that good with Conte uh, at the helm. Um, yeah, and you know, ultimately, I think we, we're all in agreement. Chelsea probably will be thereabouts again. So I was looking at the odds on that market if you weren't weren't keen on taking the four to six uh, about Spurs. And, and you can get Tottenham and Chelsea to finish in the top four. Um, Wolves to finish in the bottom half, which I think we all remember um, the back end of last season for Wolves. They absolutely tailed off. They were they're so strange. They were they're really such a weird, weird team. Um, you know, <laughs> they, they, their process was really sharp uptick at the start of the season and then yeah. it just drastically fell away to sort of relegation levels. Brilliant goalkeeper. Um, that oh, was the key, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, and, and you know, you can there's going to be regression on his part as well this season. So he's not going to be able to perform miracles like he did last season. Uh, he'll perform to a more expected rate. So you've got Tottenham top four. He's a big fan of the show, Jose Sarr. So sorry, Jose. You know, Jake, I'll send the address to you if you want to send <laughs> me sure hate mail. I'm sure he's got his own stats people telling him, look, mate, you, this is not, don't get carried <laughs> away this season. Is that what you do? You stats people? You do kind of confidence hit jobs on people? You've got, keep, season you've got to keep people realistic. Okay, yeah. fair he's enough. probably walked in thinking he's going to challenge for a clean sheet, so the golden glove. Um, so, you know, straight away. No, sorry, Jose. Um, yeah, Spurs, Chelsea, both top four, Wolves, bottom half, um, and Bournemouth to be relegated. And I think we're, we're going to get onto the relegation markets, um, you know, later on. Personally, I, I think that they're the weakest of the three promoted teams. I think they're the weakest team in the league um, this season. So you can get all of that and then odds on that uh, at f five to one, which I think is very appealing. Um, have you? Oh, we've got a point. Yep, he's <laughs> copied me. Premier League nap. Yeah. Is that Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, you two copying each other Brilliant. again. Yeah. We haven't even started the season yet. Uh, yeah. One of the themes of this show in recent seasons, by the way, has Arsenal uh, getting a load of stick, basically. We kind of were nice to them for a few weeks last season, and then oh, it I stopped. was all right. Other people on the show were pretty good. Yeah, you set a low bar, though. You've yeah. slated them on True. this show. Um, but let's be honest, they blew it at the end of last season because they were in that race with Tottenham. I do genuinely feel... Those few weeks at the end of last season get smashed by Spurs in that North London derby at the end. 
that's going to be a moment we'll look back on in the next two or three years is the moment where they went like that. And one of them went up and one of them went down. I know they've made good signings. Gabriel Jesus, I think, is a, a really smart grab. Fabio Vieira's fun, proper entertainer, really good. But Mark, they're 2.8 on the exchange to qualify for the Champions League through their league position. I'm not sure they'll do it, you know. I'm, top I'm, four? Yeah, I'm no, not no, sure no. Arsenal will make top four at all. Um, I think the difference between Arsenal and Spurs right now, Jake was reading off the names, and I think the, the difference between the two teams, not just in individual quality, but is in mentality and the players that you have at their disposal. Spurs are full of battlers and nasty, players with nasty streaks who yeah. know what... Know what need, are you know thinking of Christian Romero? There's one. Benton Cora is another one. Richarlison. Yeah. They all fit the build of players who will go out and put their bodies on the line. And there's gamesmanship involved. Sometimes it crosses the line. Do you, Arsenal have enough of those kind of players to, to really sort of dig in and scrap when required? If you look back to last season, the start and end of the campaigns, you'd say probably not. Um, I do do think Arsenal do it in a dumber way? Because they pick up loads of red cards. Yeah, Is it just they, they do it, they try and do it, but they're not smarter doing it? Yeah, yeah it's probably the, probably the way. But it, it has been a case, I think, since the, the glory years of Arsenal Wenger, really, that Arsenal have been a bit too nice um, when they need to probably put their foot in and, and battle a bit more. And I know it's probably a bit of a cliche and stereotypical to, to bring up, but I thought the end of the campaign was a perfect example of that. And the, the characters in which Tottenham are bringing into the club differ massively from the characters that, that Arsenal have there right now. Even if I do think they are going in the right direction. And I think the middle third last year was fantastic and they played some brilliant stuff. And I think that the biggest compliment you can make for Arsenal for the first time in a while is they were beating the teams they were expected to beat. They rarely were upset by, by yeah. smaller clubs. They did the business when it mattered, but then coming up against the, the top four or the big six, that's when they tended to fall short. And I think that's the issue really for them. Can they handle the pressure? Are they mature enough to, to sort of take the next step? And are they good enough individually and collectively to take that next step and, and enter the top four? Unfortunately for them, I just think that the four teams ahead of them are stronger in, in all those categories. And I think it might be another year of steady improvement. Also last year, they didn't have European commitments. Yeah, I think that's a which, big deal, isn't it? Which, Especially this season. Yeah, and I think as we saw at the end of last year and at the start of the campaign, the squad isn't massive. So they do have some quality youngsters who will be better for the year, but... Um, I think outside of that, if injuries and suspensions do crop up, I think you know there's there's a big difference between what they've got available to them and Spurs. It's another new era at Manchester United. Yay! Eric Ten Hag is in. Uh, this is all very exciting, isn't it, Jake? They've played some good stuff in pre-season. Uh, they're still leaking like a sieve to the newspapers and to social media. We're here all the time about... Well, that helps with the stock price. Well, of course. Uh, look, this is a really tricky one, isn't it? Because so much negativity around the football club last season. So many poor performances. I was on the Ralph Rangnick train, which went off the tracks, <laughs> over the cliff, and into a fireball at the bottom of the valley. Um, where are they at? I mean, he's got an enormous job there, hasn't he? He's got some very good players at the club. But it's got to be a complete shift. He's got to have total buy-in to what he wants. He's got Cristiano Ronaldo briefing that he wants to leave. And all of the top clubs in the world went, now we're all right, <laughs> thanks. And so... What, you mean the ones that are really well run? <laughs> well, even the ones that aren't. Even Paris said no. Okay. So it's a really tricky situation. And you just wonder which way it's going to tip. I, I think Ten Hag's in a win-win situation this season. Because if it goes really well, he looks like a genius. If it goes really badly, he can just sort of say that the squad's not good enough and he needs more help. So 
I think he's in a strong position. Um, and I also think that the squad he's got available to him isn't far away from what he's looking for. Because there's a lot of good, young, hungry players there that have just gone a bit stale. The likes of um, Sancho, who... He's a terrific player. He's, he's got, got nothing out of it last yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that he'll be absolutely 100% benefit for this, this managerial change. The same with Marcus Rashford. Um, and ultimately, we've, we've seen, oh, it's only pre-season, but Martial's been playing at the nine and he's been playing really well. Uh, and he looks fit, uh, fit and hungry and, and ready to impress. So and vaguely interested. Yeah, which is also, yeah, that helps. Um, and, you know, it, they brought in Christian Eriksen, who I think is a fantastic signing. Um, uh, they've got rid of Paul Pogba, who, you know, for all his critics, is a great footballer, but for whatever reason, just didn't suit. Just a bad fit. Yeah, just a bad but fit. And they never built... A platform for him, did they? For him to play his best football. Now we've seen him for France, and when he's got someone like Conte next to him, he he really flourishes because he's less responsibility and he can enjoy himself. Um, you know, and I think the the issue for me with United, like I, I really like the the Lissandra Martinez signing. I think that he'll be fantastic. I know there's a lot of talk about his stature and build. But, you know, ultimately... People are acting as if he's Bilbo Baggins, then. <laughs> like, he's not really, really small. He's 5'9". No, he can still win a header. Yeah, he can win a header. But compared to, like, the Maguire next to him, you know. Um, but yeah. ultimately, he's not there to do that. He's there because Ten Hag likes to play a high line and squash the pitch. And Maguire's got no pace. So he's no good for that system. Whereas Martinez will be able to cover a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I think there is the makings of a, of a decent Eric Ten Hag team there. Uh, if they get Frankie de Jong over the line, which... I mean, it's all right. The year is 2137 <laughs> and Frankie de Jong is still not signed for United. It's all right wanting to sign him and he would be a great signing. But if he doesn't want to come, then you just have to look elsewhere because you don't want to sign a player that doesn't want to be there. But if they, if they did convince him to come and, and be the sort of key player, I think all of a sudden a midfield three of, ten, of, of de Jong, Ericsson and Fernandes Sounds very attacking on paper, but Ten Hag plays, plays attacking Where's football. Where's the ball winner there? He plays attack. Well, Ericsson played as a two for Brentford, uh, played in a two for Brentford yeah. last season. So he, he would have to shoulder some of that sort of breaking up the play, which. Um, or all of it. Yeah, yeah, all of it. But at the end of the day, you don't. Would you need that much of a, of a sort of bite in midfield if you're playing such a high press with a high squash and you win the ball back high up the field, which is what Ten Hag wants to do ultimately? Um, and, you know. You've got Ericsson de Jong there. They can progress the ball really, really well through the lines and, and get you up the, t up the pitch very quickly. So you can see the thinkings. And just whatever you do, Eric, do not play McFred together. They've, they've had their time. Um, they need to be moved on. And, and you need to move in a, in a better direction. And I think that he will do that in time. Um, so yeah, I, I do see quite a lot of positives about Manchester United. But obviously, we're talking... They've got a lot of ground to make up, and I don't think they'll do that this season. Um, I think they'll be competitive in certain matches. I think they'll, they'll definitely, definitely be much stronger against the likes of um, Liverpool and City this season than they were last season. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a mountain to climb, isn't it? Um, but th there, are, there are certain positives, I think. Cautious optimism about United for me. I still think the midfield requires a bit of surgery. Um, I think Ten Hag is coming with a strong personality, a, a really strong idea and philosophy about what he wants to do. All the negativity coming out of the club last year I didn't like. Um, it seemed like someone was feeding that out as soon as Ralph Rangnick was arriving in, in his post and I think it was unfair and whether there's a few bad apples behind the scenes, we don't know really and I just hope that he gets buy-in from the, those players which Rangnick didn't get. Um, I just think they're going to be a work in progress. and. 
Manchester United is not going to get time to be to build towards something, but he needs time. And I think if the supporters give him a season to transition into the role, and he's going to probably need two, maybe three transfer windows to completely overhaul the squad and get exactly the type of players he really wants. And I think this time next season, if we're talking about Manchester United and Ten Hag is still there, then absolutely I'll start convincing myself that they could be not just top four, but potentially title contenders. But right now, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to, to bridge the gap towards the top four with what he's got right now. And the the job he probably realises right now, he's undertaken. It, it's a massive, massive rebuild. Um, and I don't think you know just signing Frankie de Jong and a few players, which he, he knows pretty well from the Eredivisie, is, is going to solve that issue. Um, and you know, we talked about him at the start as well, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, as much of an asset he is, he can be a massive uh, liability too right now. So, um, yeah, twenty-one to be the league's top scorer. He got eighteen in a really poor side in the league last season. If Ten Hag could get it right, would he be anywhere near the top of that list? Do you think? Are we expecting him to play? Are we expecting him to be the, the main? That's starter? the question, isn't um, it? Yeah, but I mean that's the gamble you take, I guess. Um, yeah, it's not a bet I'd take on, um, but it probably is on the on the right side of value rather than the other side. But you're you have to sort of weigh up the question if he does start, and if he does start, absolutely, maybe maybe have a nibble. I'm not convinced he will. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fair shout because I think um, ten one thing that United fans will get this season is a more um, or a better watch. Whenever they watch their team, they're going to be much better to watch. They're going to play more attacking football. They're going to create more chances. They're probably conceded, you know, more chances as well. Yeah. Um, well, as they go through this process, but you know, I'm, I'm expecting them to win more games on the three-two than the likes of one-nils or two-ones. In which case, you know, the goal tally goes up, and you have to look at your main striker. Which, if that's Ronaldo, there's no reason why he can't score a hatful of goals. I mean, we've seen Ten Hag work with various different systems at Ajax. I think his first time there, or his first edition of Ajax. Because um, you know they basically they play well, get raided, and then he has to build it again. The first edition was basically playing Dusan Tadic as a false nine um, and working the, a, a fluid attack. The second edition had Sebastian Haller as the sort of pinpoint number nine, um, get in the box, basically tap the ball in there. So it's up to him really what what kind of system he wants to bring. If, because he's also he's got the op- option to do both. He can play Rashford, Sancho, Alanga, Martial as a fluid attack, or he can play as out and out number nine Ronaldo and. Um, and just provide for him and just, just tell him, stop dropping deep to pick the ball up and stay in the box and, and score goals for us. Um, so yeah, at the price, I think that does look a fair, a fair shout. If you do think United are going to score a lot more goals, actually, it's worth looking at the team total goals markets on the sports book. You could combine the following. Crystal Palace to score 46 goals or more. They got 50 last season under Patrick Vieira. Chelsea to score 68 or more. They got 76 last season. Newcastle to score 54 or more. They got 44 last season, but they're much better now under Eddie Howe with all of the reinforcements they've brought in. And West Ham to get 54 or more. They got 60 last season, and that comes out at 16 on the sportsbook as a combination. Mark, just quickly... Any surprises for top six? Or are we thinking, well, if the top four are over the hills and far away, probably Arsenal United for that fifth and sixth? Uh, Probably, yeah. The team I'm interested about this season, it wouldn't necessarily be a big surprise, but they had a rotten last campaign. Is Leicester uh, plagued by injuries, uh, particularly in defence. But they have no European commitments this time around, so they'll get the opportunity to rest and recover when needs be. Uh, if you look at a squad that might be decimated by sort of players going off to the World Cup and coming back fatigued, 
Uh, Leicester will be hit, but probably not as quite as hard as the, the top teams as well. Uh, now, clearly, defensively, they were an absolute shambles. But they didn't have Fafana for pretty much they, the whole campaign. Exactly. And to have him back fit and available is a huge boost. They've done no business or major business at the minute. I don't necessarily think that's a, a negative. Um, I think sometimes uh, continuity is, is just as good as bringing in a hatful of new signings. So they're a team I like the look of. Uh, they won 66 points in 2021. Uh, if you look at the handicap market when it comes available, they'll be given a big start. And uh, you know, if you look at the handicap last year, Liverpool won it with 99 points. Um, so Leicester, if they can repeat what they did the season before last, will be a contender in that market and the, normally the handicap price is around about 16 to 1. Something to cheer on really, you don't necessarily need them to finish in the top six, but you get a very big price on them going well. This football season you can get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description 18 plus see gamblerware.org. Okay, let's move on to the relegation battle last season. Brentford, the only newly promoted side to survive. Watford and Norwich went straight back down. This time it's Fulham, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, all trying to adapt to life at a higher level. Bournemouth are the 1.64 favourites to go down. Forest, 2.24. Fulham, 2.32. Mark, I'm very excited about Forest. They're doing some Bundesliga business. (laughs) Taiwo Aboni, brilliant for Union. Last season, big, strong, quick, good player. I say big, not very tall, actually, but very stocky and I think could adapt really well to the Premier League. Moussa Niakate, quiet leader at the back, very, very good on the ball. They look as though they've approached this with a a real kind of sense of clarity, I think. I think so. I'm very excited about Forrest as well. Um, I've seen some people label them the the QPR of uh, yesteryear when Rangers went out and signed loads of players on huge wage packets that's basically because Forrest have signed Jesse Lingard on on a massive wage packet but I think rather than sort of worry about the finances these days Premier League clubs have got so much money to spend it's irrelevant really the fees and the numbers well Marinakis the owner is not short exactly I I, I tend to sort of ignore the fees um, and just concentrate on the individuals and I think Lingard is a incredible addition to the squad if he can sort of buckle down and sort of repeat what he did at West Ham. Um, but yeah, I think they've got all the tools to consolidate. Um, for me, they are potentially the next Leeds and Brentford. Um, you know, we talked about it on, or we will talk about it on the EFL show, about managers and, and investing in people rather than necessarily squads and individuals. And Steve Cooper is, is one of those who I put complete faith in uh, guiding Forrest into a, a decent position. We saw when he took over last season, the transformation really not just in, in tactical approach, but also in, in, in the output, really. Um, not just results, but what was achieved on the field, improving individuals, um, particularly players from probably uh, who weren't getting a, a look in under Chris Hutton, brought them back into the fold. Probably fans' favourites were left out in the cold. He knew exactly what he wanted. Um, attention to detail is as good as anyone, really. I think there's a lovely balance in the squad with um, youthful um, exuberance and experience now as well. I really like the additions. Um, Go back to last season in the FA Cup, they turned over Arsenal and Leicester convincingly as well, uh, which shows that they're not exactly you know, fearful of the... Of the Gave Liverpool fish. a game as well. Yes, they did. And, uh, you know, you've got to mention it too, but um, it's been such a long absence from the Premier League. The mood around the city, uh, particularly the red side, is is really, really buoyant. And I think the city ground, when the club, when the fans are behind that club, can be a really intimidating prospect. And it's not happened often. Uh, not happened often enough, really, in the last 20 years. And I think they will attack this campaign uh, feeling confident and 
you know, as if they belong in the Premier League. And I think, I think they can be considered one of the, the better bets to stay up. Uh, I think 59% of promoted clubs this century have actually survived. Um, the survival rate is reasonably strong. You normally get one or two surviving. I think Forest, for me, are the pick of the bunch. Jake, the natural thing is to go, our Bournemouth will go down 1.64. You might look at which they probably will. (laughs) But where's the shock? Where's the team that might get sucked in that the market doesn't necessarily expect? Um, Yeah, there's there's quite a few uh, at bigger prices that I think will really struggle this season. Um, I think Southampton, they will be there or thereabouts again. Um, I think they only finished maybe one or two points clear of the the drop zone last season. So they were... it was only because of the points accumulated in the first half of the season that they were still kind of, um, you know, relatively safe. Their process was shocking at the back end of last campaign. They really were uh, performing like a relegation threatened team. And, you know, they, uh, I'm always a little bit wary with Southampton because they don't do any flashy business and sign big name players. They sign a lot of young players. It's that- impressive kids, isn't it? Sekumara is the latest one, I think, is coming from Bordeaux. We know that he's quick. We know he's quite exciting. He works ever so hard. He's kind of a classic Hasenhutl player. But he's playing for Bordeaux. It's a big leap to suddenly start playing in the Premier League. It is, yeah. But I think that that shows a, a real backing for Harsenhutl, that they're bringing in these kind of young players that he can mould. They're, the kind, they're the players he likes to work with, um, as opposed to the ones with the massive egos that you know won't perhaps do as much running as, as what he wants them to do. Um, so they have got a slight asterisk next to them, um, although I think they will struggle. They're, there's a little bit of a they're a bit of an enigma. You don't really know what you're going to get out of those players that they've, they've signed to strengthen. Um, but yeah, for me, the, the, the best bet I, I find to be Everton. Um, not massive fans of Frank Lampard on the show, are we? Uh, no, he, he has this really weird habit that he's carried on with, with almost talking as if it's not his club and they're not his players. These players are going to have to really improve. It's <laughs> never like we. It's always like, oh, yeah, they're going to have to get a lot better as if he's nothing to do with it. Well, sometimes you need to look in the mirror and improve yourself. And I, I think Frank Lampard yeah, Frank. is... Yeah, yeah Frank. come on. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think that he's absolutely in that, um, in, in that sort of potential sack race market, which will eventually go up, has, has been one to, to watch. Um, last season, they were simply shocking for the first 10, 12 games of his tenure and, and sort of looked the way out of the relegation battle with a couple of really um, close-fought wins um, against slightly lesser teams. Obviously, they picked up a couple of wins against better teams. But I, I'm really intrigued as to what he does because we know Lampard from his time at, at Derby and Chelsea likes to play a really high-pressing, attack-minded brand of football. Um, and obviously, the back in the last season, it was backs against the wall, defend like life's on it and, and just try and counter-attack. So I'd be really interesting to see if he sticks or twists, if he sticks with the defensive-minded football to try and grind out points, or if he twists and goes for his more, his sort of own personality attacking brand of football. And if he does the latter, then I can see them absolutely struggling because you look at that back line, uh, I know they brought in Tarkovsky, and I'm a fan of his, I think he's a good defender, but not in a team that plays in a high line and high pressing because he's never had to play that that way. You know, we've seen it with quite a few players, you know, Michael Keane, Went from Burnley to Everton and really struggled playing under Ancelotti in a bit of a higher line. Um, we've seen Harry Maguire, you could argue, going from Leicester, playing in a really deep line block, just kicking in everything and heading everything, to playing on the halfway line against Man- uh, for Manchester United and getting turned. I think Tarkovsky might struggle with that um, that transition as well if the, if he is asked to play higher up the pitch. Um, and ultimately, the business has just not been good enough this summer. You know, the squad, in in my opinion, was really weak last season. They've it got kind of can't be, can it? Because of what they've spent already with FFP. Which is a massive worry in itself. I know they've sold Richarlison, but they yeah. haven't got much wriggle room, have they, really? No, and, and you know, if, if if they do want to invest and strengthen the squad, it might mean losing Calvert-Lewin to, to um, fund those extra additions. 
Um, so yeah, I've got massive, massive doubts about Everton, and, and I think that they could be in for a, an, another season of, of a bit of turmoil. And you know, wh wh whether they go down or not, we will get a run for money um, with this with this bet because I can't see them being a comfortable top half finish as they were under Ancelotti. I think they'll be um, right in the mind. It's worth taking a look at our Bet5, Get5 offer. Betfair offering a £5 free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on selected games this season. Keep your eye out on Betfair's promo pages for information. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus, see gamblerware.org. Marched brief mention of the top goal scorer market, Telling Haaland. Okay, let's move on to... <laughs> no, well, he's 3.8 on the exchange, 3.6 on the sports book, but it's, so again, a smidge more value on the exchange. We've got Mo Salah, fresh from that new deal at Liverpool, 6.2 on the exchange. Harry Kane, 6.8. Is it coming from those three? Or is it coming from somebody else? No, it's coming from those three. Um, I wouldn't be back in Holland at the prices. It's, it's not for me. I mentioned the stat earlier about a newcomer to the Premier League never achieving the, the top goal scorer award in their first campaign. Um, he's probably the most likely to, to worry that stat. But um, I, I think it's a bit too short. But Salah and Kane, I think prices are absolutely fine, particularly Harry Kane at, at six to one, both on penalties. Um, only three players in each of the last four seasons have finished in the top seven every season for the top goal scorer. Kane, Salah, and actually Jamie Vardy as well, but um, he's a year older. But Salah, 118 goals in 180 Premier League games, averages 24 a season, a regular in the top four in the market. Um, rarely injured as well, almost always available, which is always a, a plus. And Harry Kane, averaging 22 and a half goals over the last eight campaigns. Tottenham are now playing much more front foot football, arguably got one of the, the better attacks in Europe, let alone the Premier League. Um, he only had two goals by match day 15 last season. He ended with 17. So you can see the difference that, you know, obviously he had a Having a, slow a decent start, coach, mate. Slow start to the season <laughs> with the ones it. away uh, news and speculation surrounding him. But yeah, obviously Antonio Conte just um, made a huge difference there. But uh, as just, a, just on that, would you, would you favour Salah over Kane because he's your start at the World Cup? Um, I think it's something to bear in mind, but I think the price is, is short enough compared to Kane. I think Kane is six to one. Rarely are we going to get Kane at those prices. But yeah, it's definitely something to bear in mind, the fact that Salah is going to be fresh. But I, I just wanted to mention one bigger one, because in 16 of the last 20 seasons, a player at 50 to one or bigger has placed in the top goal scorer market. And in 12 of those 20 seasons, a 100 to one shot has actually placed. And actually in all but three seasons since the Premier League's inception, a player from outside the big six has placed in the top goal scorer market. So it does pay sometimes to, to back a few longer shots. I've tried to find someone in the middle. He does play for a big six team, but I think the price is too big. Kai Havertz, 55 to one. Um, if he is going to be Chelsea's main centre forward, which at times he was in the big games, uh, 0.4 Premier League goals per 90 minutes last season, 0.48 XG per 90 as well. I think that's a massive price, really, uh, unless Sterling takes over the, the central role. Uh, he is a lot shorter, basically half the price of Havertz. So the market obviously suggests that Sterling is the, the more likely, but I think if uh, I think Havertz can certainly sort of worry the place markets at 55 to 1. Kai Havertz is always going to go down well in terms of praise when I'm the host. Love that guy. Uh, loads of options on the odds on that section of the sports book. You can have a wager on everything bar how often the players will brush their teeth, although that market may well come up between now and the end of the season. Liverpool to score at least once in every single Premier League fixture at 22 to 1. They've scored in 47 of their last 48 Premier League games. It was only Leicester last season, I think, that stopped them. 
at least one goal in every Man City league game and every Liverpool league game at 12 to 1. I've just stolen yours, <laughs> right? I've just stolen Mark's. So loads of options on that, odds on that section. Jake, any extra odds on that ones that you had on there? Uh, yeah, I've got one at 14 to 1. Um, Bournemouth to finish bottom, Nottingham Forest to stay up, uh, Villa to finish in the top half and Crystal Palace to finish above Wolves. Um, I've spoke about Wolves a bit already. Big fan of Crystal Palace and, and the way in which they're progressing. I think Villa will be better for the um, assistant manager change, bringing in Neil Critchley and making them slightly more attacking. That's and a great signing, isn't it? It really is, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it'll probably see them tra- uh, sort of transfer from that Christmas tree style formation to something a little bit more expansive. Um, and, you know, Bournemouth, we're not rating at all. And we've already spoke about Forest and how we like them to stay up. So 14 to 1 looks big. Um, yeah, and. That was, the, that was the main one that I pulled out, really, as well as the 5-1 to one that I mentioned earlier. I'm going to finish with an outright bet builder. I'm going to go first because I'm hosting the show. Um, I'm going to chuck in a conservative option to start with. Chelsea to finish top four at 4-6. to six. I know that's sneaky, but I just think they will. I think the squad's good. I think they'll make further good signings. I think the coach is great. I don't see how they don't make the top four so I'm going to chuck in Chelsea to finish top four at four to six Mark O'Hare well I was going to go for a four to six shot as well which is quite that's okay we could be conservative I'm hoping that Jake has got something a bit more <laughs> exciting up his sleeve if he didn't um, before he's going to have in a minute as he kind of scrambles yeah uh, it was Tottenham to finish in the top four um, I think it's very very surprising I suppose fail to finish in that Champions League space is the way in which they finished the campaign the signings that they've made I know they're now in Champions League Competition, but I think the squad is really filled out and uh, it's just full backing for Conte. And Jake's got Dominic Calvert Lewin to finish top scorer <laughs> at 80. Yes. Um, it's not quite that big, uh, it's nowhere near that big actually, but it is nine to five, so we should get yes. a little bit of a boost. Um, it's Crystal Palace to finish in the top half um, this season, which may come as a surprise. I mean, we know we've already sort of nailed down the top six, um, who we think is going to finish there. Top seven, maybe West Ham. We think that they're definitely going to finish in the top half. But for me, anyway, I'm not as bullish on Leicester taking up another one of those spots. You've got three to play with. Um, And I think the way in which they um, sort of developed under Vieira last season, their their year-on-year expected goal improvement was plus 0.92 per game. So from Hodgson to Vieira, they were basically nearly a full expected goal better per game, um, just to put into perspective. They were really unfortunate to finish in the bottom half last season. We had them finishing sixth based on expected points. Um, no reason that that process shouldn't continue. Um, I know they've lost Conor Gallagher, but they brought in Decore from Lons, who I think could um, help uh, strengthen that midfield up a little bit. Um, and we've also not really seen the exciting trio of Elise, Eze and Zahar on the pitch at the same time. They're going to be fun, aren't they? Which is going to be really good to watch. Um, And and Elise in particular, I'm really intrigued to see how he gets on. uh, Because last season, um, from an expected assists point of view, expected assists per 95, he actually had the fourth highest in the entire division. Um, And he only got limited game time due to injuries and obviously sort of bedding in. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, so yeah, Crystal Palace. I think I think they're really they are my dark horse ones to watch. If you want an even bigger price, 11 to one to break the top six. I think that they are capable of of maybe nudging, maybe not that high, but surprising a few and maybe qualifying for Europe. Because I do think the way in which they've trended under Vieira so far um, does leave plenty. Their ceiling's quite high, I think, with this squad. 
Eagles fans cock a hoop after that would be very excited. Uh, that's all we have time for on this Premier League edition of New Season Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Also remember every single Premier League game gets its own dedicated preview on our website betting.betfair.com. Keep an eye out for EFL preview shows and European League preview shows as well. From Mark, from Jake and from me. It's goodbye for now.